goal chance for Conor McGrath here and he'll surely give it in Conor. What a goal! Mackey heading it towards the 21 meter line. Keep Mackey chance. still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. But will stick in your mind at the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Did a small change before the game worked the street. <laughs> it looks like it. Donovan has a wild effort on goal. It's oh, on goal! Oh, it's on oh, the Coppers! Equalizer! Oh, it's on the Coppers! Yeah! But damn the game, if it don't mean nothing, what is game? Who got game? Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome along to the GEA podcast. Getting a bit sad now. It's, it's almost at an end. Not too many, not too many left. Is that making it sad? <laughs> I, I love this really? time we get to spend together every Thursday. Yeah. Half okay. an hour locked in a room with yourself and Dave McIntyre. It's what dreams are made of. Well, at least the one plus we have this week in terms of your sadness is that Dave McIntyre isn't here. It's just the two of us. Yeah. And it is worth pointing out uh, to any management who are listening in, as I'm sure they do, uh, in News Talk Towers and above even, that the most listened to podcast so far... Was when it was just the two of us, and Dave yeah. McIntyre wasn't here. He really is a not necessary addition to this podcast. It's a twofold attack right there. It's uh, promoting uh, ourselves, yes, and uh, also knifing Dave while you're at it. Is that not what this podcast is all about? Generally, uh, how are you getting on? I'm good. Yeah, interesting enough week, and yeah, yeah uh, it turns out, as I was making the point yesterday, that the Mayo man, the Westmeath man, mm-hmm. and the wannabe Cavan man don't really know that much about hurling. Yeah, we kind of got a little bit uh, wrong. In fact, in fairness, I kind of jumped on the back here. bandwagon last week just as, as the bandwagon was about to grind to a pretty filthy halt. Yeah, all uh, summer myself and Dave have been uh, banging on about Cork all summer. Yeah. And you weren't quite sure, but you weren't, you haven't been convinced by Tipperary at any stage. I presume... I kind of think that's, I, I, like that, 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 up to last weekend, that was a pretty reasonable, reasonable point. I was, to some degree, it, it still stands. I was on Premier League duty, so I only saw the Sunday game highlights, and from that alone, there was no question Tipperary were far yeah. and away the better team. Yeah, there's just no question about it whatsoever. Now, again, like I mean, my sort of um, questioning of Tipperary up to that point was primarily based around the quality of opposition, and primarily based around the fact that they had amazing 20 minutes against Galway, and... The Galway team we were completely unsure of. Dublin team we were definitely unsure of. Offaly don't even come into the conversation. And so how sure of Cork are we is really the question we're left with. Like Cork didn't really show up at the weekend. And so there are still questions about Tipperary. There will continue to be until they go and do it against Kilkenny. And if it's big Kilkenny, people are still going to say, it's not Kilkenny of old. So they're kind of on a lose, uh, hiding nothing here. Having said all that, if Tipperary win the All-Ireland, I'm sure they wouldn't give two tosses. PPI for next year is sorted for Nathan Murphy. No point entering Adrian because <laughs> I have it in the bag. Go on. I made the trip down to Kilkenny <laughs> last night. I took one for the team <laughs> and went to the Kilkenny pre-All-Ireland final. Press day and uh, had a one-on-one with Brian Cody. And, you know, that's, people, that's people struggle company, to get under... Right it is. People struggle to get under the skin of Brian Cody. And now I see why. 
Yeah. Yeah, didn't get a whole lot out of him. I didn't do it last night. I just saw it dropping in on my email. You see a lot of these nonsense emails. You have no life. I in. sent that email at about 11 o'clock last night. Yeah, I was sitting up. Uh, I was up until about 3 a.m. prepping, as you'll hear over the next uh, the course of the next half an hour or thereabouts, uh, prepping for today. Um, but I saw it coming in. I thought, oh, you know, I do understand that Brian Cody doesn't say a lot, but Nathan Murphy, this guy, if anybody <laughs> in the country that can get under his skin, this is the guy to do it. This is going to be good stuff. Uh, put it on speaker, gathered the neighbours around. No, I didn't really. Uh, and he just didn't really say anything. It is quite a talent he has. I've interviewed Brian Cody a lot of times on the year, so you kind of know what you're getting. Mm. But going down to the press night, you know you're going to get players, but you don't know what players you're going to get, so you can't do a lot of research in them. So I yeah. thought, I'll do a little bit of prep on Brian Cody, and I kind of had a plan of attack. Mm. And after two questions, I was like, this is not going to work. Yeah. This guy is ready for anything. There was one question early doors that kind of had him thinking a little bit. Mm. Uh, and he had to... Because generally, yeah, generally they've got some sort of a stock, but he had to think, he had to double-check himself. I can't remember exactly what it was. He was almost about to give an answer. He was. And then, and then he, he thought, no. Nah, what what am I doing here? But uh, I mean, you know, look, think about what it is. The, the, the thing that I took, I presume this would have gone out at some point, will it? People, I, I doubt it. I, I, there are better in, interviews. Yeah, maybe, maybe it'll go online tomorrow. But uh, the, yeah, like we put all the rubbish online. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've come this far, folks. <laughs> go, go to the Brian Cody interview. It's just there on, on another page. <laughs> what other sort of shit can we put online to entertain people? Stay with us. <laughs> um, yeah, what was my initial point? There was uh, there was an interesting part of it. Uh, God, I've forgotten. <laughs> it was that dull. Uh, yeah, no, there wasn't luck. It was it was a lot of you trying to. Poke you do the bear. question yourself when you do have interviews like this, and they do happen quite regularly for me, anyways. Mm. Where you're like, I really didn't get anything out of that I've whatsoever. That so actually, I yeah. sat in. Thanks. I sat in on the written press and they get a lot more time. They must have been sitting with Cody for half an hour at least. Mm. And there was at least, I'd say, 10, 12 questions on Henry Shefflin and will he start and what it means if he does start, what it means if he doesn't start because it's Henry Shefflin, is it a bigger deal than it should be? And no matter what way they phrase the question, every time Brian Cody was... To be honest, I don't think about it that much. Yeah, I I heard him say that to you, yeah. I mean, that's... And I kind of believe him. it's true. I actually do kind of believe him. I think he just goes, I want to win this match. What's my best 15? Let's pick them. What's the point in overthinking it? I mean, like, he can sit down and think about it all week. He's still going to have to come come to one of two conclusions at the end of that week. And, you know, I mean, I'd be kind of surprised, I guess, if up to this point Henry Shefflin's been on the bench and all of a sudden, I think it'd be more controversial if he actually starts. And it's not as if when he's come off the bench, he's been like, you know, that you've looked at him and gone, well, that was some performance. He's got to start the next day. I think it's a pretty straightforward decision for. I would say that's probably why Brian Cody hasn't been thinking about it, about it an awful lot. He's probably got other selection headaches. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have lots of chat about Kilkenny and Tipperary uh, when that match actually comes about yeah. in a couple of weeks' time. And we'll make a prediction that's probably. And we will, and we'll once again show off our hurling knowledge. Maybe that was it with Brian Cody. Maybe he's like, you're from Mayo. Who the <laughs> hell are you coming down here questioning would, me about I would, hurling? I would take it one step further. I would say that Brian Cody subscribes to the podcast and he likes it, comments, etc. And that he was listening last week and he thought, these guys know absolutely nothing about hurling. Why would I be bothered to listen to this guy? Which is fair enough. What we do know a lot about, though, is football. Yeah. Uh, Mayo football. Mayo football in particular, from my point of view. And it is the first of the All-Ireland Senior Football semi-finals this Sunday at Croke Park. Mayo against Kerry. And is there anything that sends shivers down the spine of Mayo men than a match with Kerry? My lowest moment supporting Mayo, and 
There's been many. Let's be honest. There's no point beating around the bush here. There have been many. Undoubtedly was the 2006 final. And what was it? Less than half hour in. Kerry are leading 3-6 to a goal. And the Gooch and Kieran Donaghy are destroying us. And I had been on a frantic search for a ticket for a long time. And Jim Carney, the great Jim Carney, sorted me out with a ticket. Late, late doors. Got into the hill, I'd say about 25 past three. Standing up there going, this has got to be the one. We can't lose another one. This is back in 2006. Mm. We can't lose another one. And after all that effort and half an hour to have... And after half an hour, it wasn't even, oh, we're not going to win the All-Ireland. After half an hour, it was like, oh my God. And did we you are hang around? actually being humiliated. Of course, I, I don't understand people who ever leave a match mm. early. It's an all hour. I, hang, I hung around to watch Kerry lift the trophy. Really? It's part of the day. Wait, that's just... Uh, is it misogynistic? Well, is there the, is... Uh, <laughs> Is that, is that the word? <laughs> Something to do with SNM, I don't know. <laughs> I like the pain is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I do, I, but I do think... It, there is, why wouldn't you? You have to feel the pain. And I, then I eventually when it does happen... Uh, I don't know. I, I can understand you. Uh, definitely, look, hang, you've got to hang around for the uh, for the game. I, uh, that, for me, that comes from a you see, lifetime... You'll never be able to relate with this. Well, well I can. It comes from uh, a lifetime of going to Crow Park and various other grounds with my old man and arriving as I've said on the podcast before up to four hours before throwing and having a hang around and then leaving <laughs> about about 15 minutes to go in the game and it didn't matter <laughs> what what was happening like it could have been the most thrilling game that's ever been played it could have been level tit for tat come on sure Jez we'll be, be stuck in mo- we'll be stuck in uh, Kinnegad for hours well at that point you would, you'd be stuck in Kinnegad you'd be stuck in you'd have stuff in Harry's for yeah. the old fry for up begging. on the way down and the way back yeah, we never we just generally brought the uh, the hang sandwiches with us to be honest I with see, you. Yeah. you gotta get, we you didn't have as long a trip as we had used to park around the Whitworth Road you'd have the lock cards out locking you in um, getting you into a parking spot and charging you five for it just I'm always sure surprised by the amount of people that still bring maybe now it's that I live in Dublin so I don't have to travel very far to get to the match but when I do drive over to Crow Park and I park in the big school or whatever it is oh, to the yeah, side panels, of it, yeah. and on All-Ireland final day and every single car that is parked there there's thousands of them everyone has a flash of hay mm. and hang sandwiches I, I'm, Still. I, think, I like that I think it's great and the other uh, side of that is that you know the hang sandwich around Crow Park is going to cost you about six or seven <laughs> quid well so. that is true uh, so yeah there was, there's was there been many dark days uh, for Mayo down the years against Kerry uh, 2011 semi-final was one for some reason in my head I thought Mayo had played quite well in and that it was a close game and then I look back and we were actually beaten by nine points yeah 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 that was the last time I was in Crow Park drinking right you've been on work duty since on work then. duty ever since so then you've, I, you've, you've curtailed it a little bit <laughs> the odd one or two just yeah. to um, since 96 Mayo have lost uh, to carry three All-Irelands a semi and a quarter it's quite the record don't, don't and, it's, it and it's not uh you know, it's not as if 96 was some kind of a watershed where previous to that date, Mayo had, uh, you know, got the better of Kerry in some consistent well, places. That's not it. 97, I, I never have a problem with our defeats in 96, 97 because we played reasonably well and were beaten by a better team. In 97, Morris Fitz destroyed us. Mm. Kicked nine points in the final. The, Mayo had no, there was no real heartbreak that day. But 2006, as I say, was humiliation. 2004 was disappointing. Mm. And, well, the last couple of years have just, expectations have been so high going into them. Uh, Does there not come a point where, you know, look, I think it's kind of reasonable enough to suggest that expectations in Mayo at this point should be high. I think you put yourself there or thereabouts. Is it three All-Irelands in the last four years or whatever the... Something to that, uh, something, something like that. Anyway, well, th- I, we've been in the last two finals. Yeah, I think I would think that uh, there comes a point where you should expect. 
Yeah. Uh, but obviously the pitfalls of that are that, I mean, I just think it doesn't really matter if you're Kerry heading into this weekend. Kerry themselves, who we kind of think about as being, not having been around for the last little while, uh, they're third semi-final in four years so you know it's not as if uh, this bunch of players when we might get into their experience levels again um, that is I suppose partly a factor uh, come this weekend but the ultimate the end point of all this conversation no matter what it is <laughs> it's Kerry beat it is, no it's Dublin oh, it's Dublin yeah you know uh, yeah th- this, that is the one thing I'm wondering going into this match because I love the build up to an All-Ireland final and I've had this discussion with lots of people who say oh you know, I prefer to lose in the first round than losing the All Ireland final. I I don't get that attitude uh, at all. That's nonsense. The build Who up to the All Ireland final. Lo- lo- lots of people feel that that they don't understand why Mayo supporters still get excited every time. But there's nothing quite like the build up to a final. Would the you three, rather four be Westmeath and lose thirteen of thirteen? Nobody games would like to season, be Westmeath or be Mayo and get to the final every year and get beaten. This time, I am almost thinking, oh, I'd nearly prefer to lose a semi final than have the four weeks and then go and lose the final as well but then maybe if we do get to the final maybe this will be the time I can't, I, I tell you what I have a little bit of a I'm kind of torn a little bit because in some respects I kind of feel that for this Mayo team that there really is so many to- so many only so many times that they can have their fingers burnt before surely it just becomes this becomes the stigma for this group of Mayo players who are pretty Mixed range of pro age profile. Um, I look. I get. I get. Like there, there's the experience of getting to the final every year, getting to semis and finals every year. But there is definitely another side of that. Of at some point, it just becomes right, lads. Enough is enough. And I don't think. I mean, people have been talking about, and there's been suggestions uh, in Mayo this week about James Horn sensationally walking away from the Kerry footballers uh, row over fixtures, which he says is never going to happen. And you believe that? But I, the Ooh, James Horn walking away. Oh, from the Mayo footballers. Yeah, yeah. Did I say Kerry? Yes. Yeah, Mayo footballers. Um, well, this, I think everyone thinks this is going to be James Horne's last season in charge, one way or another. That'd be kind of a shame, wouldn't it? it I think it would be, um, because what he has done, and I think he's had Mayo football at a higher level than it's ever been mm-hmm. since they last won the All Ireland final in 1951, and a high, consistent level. I know, I know what you're saying about experience, and eventually, if you get there enough, you're going to win one. You just worry that when they walk out on the pitch on All Ireland final day and getting ahead of ourselves massively here, but that they don't. <laughs> right, let's, they, let's replay this uh, next week. They don't walk around and <laughs> and look around and say, "Okay, lads, we've been here before. We know what we got to do." Instead, they look around and go, "Uh oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh." Well, Horn has talked about this uh, this week actually about the the hex. This idea, as I mentioned a bit earlier on, about the results since '96, and he says, well, "I haven't." I didn't. Was that it? I didn't know. I wasn't really that sure. No, it's obviously the way in. This is the way that James Horn speaks, and this is the way he delivers. I'm sure he's well aware of it. Uh, but you suspect that it's not something that is overly spoken about from the Mayo point of view. But I just, feel, I, I really feel an overriding thing for this particular Mayo bunch, and including James Horn. And it would be a shame if he was to depart because I think he's done masses of good work. In fact, um, as a sidebar, when I was down there a couple of months back, speaking to him before the Connacht final. I'd put it to him that, you know, that he'd probably gotten to a point in his Mayo career where it was just small tweaks of things. Like we talked about Kieran uh, Shannon working with them, Donny Buckley, Keenan O'Neill. Obviously, there's that sort of interesting aspect this weekend as well. But so that you get to a point in your career where three or four years in, you're really just making small tweaks. And he said, that is a kind of a logical thought process, all right. But actually, it's worked in some ways the other way. That he's finding that the longer he goes on with Mayo, the bigger 
the uh, changes that he needs to make. So I presume, obviously, you're sort of trying to stave off any degree of complacency from the players, yeah. and you got to keep things fresh a little bit. And he's, they've, they've done they've done a bit of that, obviously, in terms of personnel, and no more so than this year, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting because looking at last year and when they're reflecting on it, you think, well, we only lost to Dublin by a point, so we're not that far away. But anyone who was at that game, it never felt like a one-point match. No. Even when Mayo, Andy Moran scored the goal and they got back level and Dublin respond, the second Bernard Brogan scored his second goal, the match was over. I don't think anyone believed mm. Mayo were going to get back into it. It was a one-point game because Mayo scored the last point, so it wasn't a two-point game, essentially. And... I think you're right that he has gone back and tried to change things dramatically. The one surprise for me in the quarterfinal win over Cork was that Barry Moran didn't play. I thought this was going to be the big change. The Mayo's, okay, they mightn't have the forwards who can kick 10, 12 points from play, but they're going to have by far and away the best midfield in the country. They're going to have Aidan, they're going to have Seamus O'Shea and Barry Moran in the middle and Aidan O'Shea playing in front of them. Yeah. So basically a three-man midfield, three beasts, three all-star nominees over the last couple of years. And then, for whatever reason, Barry Moran doesn't start in the quarterfinal. I presumed he was injured, but it seems he wasn't injured, that he was just dropped and they just decided to change things and put Donald Vaughan into midfield. Yeah, well, it's 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 such an interesting area of the field as well. I was talking to Billy Joe Padden uh, yesterday. He's on duty for us, by the way, on Sunday at Croke Park to bring us the story of the day. And he was just talking about the importance of the middle third that ultimately... Whenever you talk about Mayo, that's your first port of call. Mayo got to win. If if his feeling is that if Mayo win the middle third, that's it. Now they're you know maybe this kind of harks back to this idea of, of uh, James Horn trying to keep it fresh a little bit, as you said, Donald Vaughan and Jamie O'Shea uh, starting that court game. Ed O'Shea playing a little bit further forward. Uh, no room at all then for Barry Moran. But apparently there's been some consideration given this week to that an A A versus B game last weekend and that Jason Gibbons is pushing hard apparently to come into midfield. Uh, that Vaughan would slip back into defence and maybe as well that Alan Freeman would come in for Andy Moran. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic there, but. Like Mayo do obviously tend to play, even though with O'Shea maybe pushing forward a little bit, they do tend to play that sort of three-man midfield. And then you're ultimately looking at a, a, a position where you've got two out-and-out midfielders in midfield to whatever degree they actually play midfield. And then you've done Vaughan, another midfielder playing in defence, and Ed O'Shea, another midfielder playing a... Uh, playing in the forwards and and that is that's exactly the way the game has gone it's not 1 to 15 anymore players don't necessarily abide by those positions yeah it's it's the one area where you would expect mayo to win and obviously billy joe's right in that i think it's the one game if mayo were to win any match they need to dominate that the midfield it like there's not i don't think there's any team well probably dublin but those Who six players the three forwards, half yeah. the three yeah. half backs the two midfielders and Aidan O'Shea it, it's going to be very interesting to see what team he selects andy Morn and what he does is interesting from Horn's point of view because he took him off at a very strange time in the match against um, Cork in the quarterfinal. Just kicked a great point. Looked to be really coming into the mm. game and then you take him off. Took Killian O'Connor off in the closing stages as well. And it is the one criticism and I do think Horn has done a wonderful job with me over the last few years. The one criticism is his in-game management. Yeah. And the times he makes changes and it's it almost seems that it was set in stone that Andy Moran was going to come off after whatever it was, 50 minutes. And no matter what's happening. So after 44 minutes, you're thinking, okay, we'll give Andy five, six more minutes. But then he's just had a brilliant yeah. three, four minutes. Yeah. Do you not say, okay, Andy's, 
your legs feel a lot lighter when you're just after kicking a wonderful point. Yeah, it, it's true. It's true. Now, like the caveat to all of that is that James Horn knows his players better than anybody else, and he knows that Andy Bourne is a guy who's pushing on, and while his legs might feel a bit lighter for a couple of minutes, that. James Horne is probably saying to himself, well, that's a point, wasn't expecting that, was taking him off, I'm going to, you know, why Why would I change that strategy? It's interesting because it's also a comment that's often levelled at Eamon O'Shea, the Tipperary hurling manager, that perhaps he's a really good coach, but specifically his in-game management, his ability to react to the game plans as they unfold in front of him maybe hasn't always been that amazing. But ultimately, they're winning games, so who the hell cares? Yeah, we, we don't really know a huge amount, I don't think, about this Kerry midfield as to how good they are, and this has been a reoccurring theme throughout the summer I remember going back to the Clare match and it was something Darrell Shea and Lee McHale were bringing up as was this the one area where Kerry weren't that strong we just don't know they weren't tested at all against Clare they weren't tested then against Cork and Galway Galway aren't anywhere near Kerry's level and still Kerry made them look possibly better than they were yeah a bizarre game in many ways yeah you would expect that Mayo will win that battle your 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 logic in the overall scheme of things is Mayo do one over on Galway in Connacht Kerry no, struggled to a degree against them and so well Mayo struggled for times against against Galway as well I just think that Mayo winning the midfield battle it doesn't just mean that they win two positions it means that O'Shea gets the ball Seamus O'Shea gets the ball Gibbons whoever gets the ball in midfield and next thing you've got three guys running at full speed Lee Keegan Colin Boyle and Donald Vaughan and you're giving them Good ball, yeah. and that's your winning midfield means that you bring your halfbacks into the game a lot more. And Mayo's halfbacks are the best in the business, and they're such an integral part of their team. Yeah. Now, against that, Emma Fitzmaurice, in my opinion, is the best manager in the country. Time and time again, over the past couple of years, he's come up with innovative tactics and found a way to just change things ever so slightly from dropping Declan O'Sullivan back in the Munster final. I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't happen again just to get another body in there an experienced player or say he is so good perhaps he's planning something and has been planning something in training behind in these closed door sessions that Mayo just will not be able to expect and the one thing we kind of do know with Kerry that we don't know well we know James O'Donoghue is going to kick a lot of scores James James did he take on? no has, has that taken off? no no, no. It's taken off. I mean, it's taken off in so much as we will always call him Hamez or Donahue, uh, but he hasn't engaged in it in any way, shape, or form. He is quite a interesting character. Yeah. By the way, just on Declan O'Sullivan, uh, I mean, it's like we we talk and we're about to talk about the uh, I suppose the contrast of experience or inexperience in that Kerry team. Declan O'Sullivan is obviously part of that. Aidan O'Mahony as well. A couple of lads. You wouldn't be surprised if they get all stars. Uh, O'Sullivan that idea that he's been drawn back to protect the full back line like he's delivering quality ball for O'Donoghue and for Ganey as well and is able to pick off a point he's I mean does does he go on beyond this year maybe surprisingly he does but god it's I mean for a fellow who's played won, won All-Irelands and played uh, played a very high standard football over the last few years he's really he's become a complete footballer in every respect I mean the three things that I've just mentioned are three massive roles generally fulfilled by three different players that he's he's uh, he's done brilliantly on over the last little while. Yeah, and that's part of Eamon O'Shea's management as well, that he did it with the Gooch last year, bringing him out, and now with Declan O'Sullivan, that these guys have seen it all, and that when they have the ball a bit deeper, they've that experience, and they have that extra little second that maybe some young guy doesn't, yeah. and they take the wrong decision, and Declan O'Sullivan takes the right decision 
every single time. Yeah. He's kind of like, you know, the crow in Game of Thrones and the crow just... The one-eyed crow, yeah. Yeah, and he, the crow flies off in advance and... Uh, oh, it's not the one-eyed crow, there's the actual crow. The is actual crow. The yeah. one-eyed crow is the, is the imagination of the uh, kid who is in the... You know, the yeah, star yeah. kid who's in yeah. the care Leave of... Leave it at that, don't go... Udor. You know more than I do. Udor? Yeah, Udor. Yeah. Udor. So, no, but the guy who... He was a wildling and basically he can see in advance so he can look further. Basically, the crow flies off and he sees it in his eyes what the crow is seeing. Oh, yeah, that's similar to the kid. I th- Maybe I'm... Uh... So, basically, that's what Declan <laughs> O'Sullivan has. He can see in advance. He can stand there and he can see what's happening in all areas of the pitch. But, I mean, you know, he doesn't want to end up in the same way that that crow ended up. Luckily for you, I've seen that episode. <laughs> so, you're fine. It, it was just the last episode I saw. No more. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your so, Hamas. The crow analogy is an interesting one. Um, Hamas, I don't know who... Uh, unbelievable unbelievable season for him um, he's been hampered I met a guy I'll try and keep the story very short um, I met a guy in a car park in South Dublin on Monday afternoon minding my own business uh, had somewhere to be and met a guy in a car park whose opening line was are you following the dubs uh, and so I thought oh this, here's a guy who's it's not something you usually hear in South County Dublin it's more yeah and, do you play and, for Leinster and he normally this guy wasn't uh clearly wasn't a Dublin voice himself so I thought look he's of an older generation he's obviously reaching out for a little bit of conversation and I'm happy to spend a few minutes chatting to him really because when I want to chat you never seem to have time yeah there's a very good explanation for all that Nathan um, half an hour a week is plenty um, <laughs> and an hour later we were still stood in the car park and he was giving <laughs> me a full on lesson his name was James interestingly enough and he was also from Kerry not Hamez, mind you, a little bit, old, little bit older than that. But he gave me, and I, I meant to bring him in today, and I've completely forgot about them. He's given me a load of posters, um, two of which I'm instructed I must give to Brian O'Driscoll uh, when he comes <laughs> in. And the, the direct instructions were, don't give to him on, on the first week. Get, wait and get to know him a little bit, and then give them to him. Now, so these posters are a complete list of all the football All-Ireland winners that there's ever been, all the hurling All-Ireland winners that there's ever been. Interestingly, he was a carry man who, would, who was much more into the hurling. Um, anyway, he kind of varied. He he had a lot of interesting things to talk about. Was he implying that Brian O'Driscoll won't have, say, the basic knowledge of the GEA that we would have? That we could just talk about who won the All Ireland final in nineteen fifty fifty one? He did say to me. He did say to me. Uh, he did say to me. Yes, he was. He did say to me. Um, give me give me a year. So I'd say nineteen seventy seven. And he got ah, that's easy. Dublin B Kerry. Give me the scores. Who's Jimmy Keaveney man of the match? This fella got sent off. This other lad was married to... And he had like this Railway Cup team from 1950-odd with Christy Ring, and Mick Mackey and all these guys in it. And was able to name me, cover the names on the team and name me all the way along, both rows, give me the full details again, who they were married to, what they scored, when they were man of the match, how long they played until Tommy Christy Ring played inter-county until he was 42, 44, uh, played club until he was 47... Like, it, I'm starting to think if this guy's hanging around car, well, hanging around car parks in Milltown, <laughs> and McIntyre isn't here, he would be a significant improvement on him. <laughs> when you bring him in, give the listeners uh, some, let him impart some knowledge. It's valid. It's valid. You, you could, you could have, you could bring him in, and you could set him up in front of a microphone and say, "I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> chat away to yourself." Ah, he'd be brilliant. Uh, it was an amazing conversation. He flitted between his main three loves in life, which were the GEA, both football and hurling. Uh, Manchester United uh, Louis van Gaal mad into Louis van Gaal 
Uh, was that his pronunciation or were yeah, you correcting was, them yeah, on yeah, pronunciations? Yeah, 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 yeah. He said he was at Old Trafford in 1972, I think, and he saw John Tashak. Uh, was he managing or playing at that stage? Anyway, there was something to playing. do with Sheep Shagger that was uh, coming from, the, uh, from the stands. And the other men love his life, which uh, was women. And a pretty, your wife? pretty graphic detail. <laughs> the, the graphic detail I was getting across all fronts would suggest that there was no wife, <laughs> or if there was, I, I would have great sympathy for her. And was your was your fiance there at this moment in time? No, 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 no. This was middle uh, middle of the middle of the day on a Monday afternoon in Middleton, uh, opposite Wild and Green at the car park. Wow, it was interesting. I, I, it was an initial. I'm you gonna know, pull you in know, there now. Next, you time know the way you get a sense of somebody. Oh God, this is going to be a long conversation, and like I'm not a, an amazing rush, but if I don't try and leverage away from this, it could take a while. Um, so we were just literally two minutes. I'd literally just met him. No, he didn't. Needless to say, didn't know me from Adam. Didn't know, you know. That he's, he's he was like, "Hey, yo, GA Adrian Barry from the radio on a Thursday afternoon." I, I uh, tune into News Talk TV every Saturday to uh, yeah. check you out. No, he was more of a, a Dublin radio. Is it, is it a radio station called Dublin Radio? Ra- no, no, that's radio just Dublin. that's just what every person who listens who over the a certain age. They, see, this is why this is where the problem is with the radio listenership figures. At, when I worked in Galway FM, nobody ever called it Galway FM. You work Galway for Radio, radio. Galway, don't yeah. you? But what's Dublin Radio? Sure, Dublin Radio could be news talk, could be anything. Yeah, fair it's enough. just the radio that he listens to in Dublin. <laughs> Sometimes I listen to Kerry FM. Um, I'm going to wrap up this story because I, I I don't know how interesting it is for people. It was one of the most amazing hours of my life, uh, but I don't know how amazing it's coming across. Um, he he told me he, t- he said to me, wait there for two minutes, and I said, no, look, I got to go. Uh, made up some, you know, I need to be here for this, that, or the other. Uh, Wait, you got, wait there for two minutes. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna you, I'm, wait there. Come back. I'm gonna come back. And he came back with a fistful of um, these brochures, posters, details, stats, as he was calling them. They weren't really. They weren't stats as you and I might know them. Uh, but it was pretty interesting. I think the the range of conversation. Uh, he also wandered into Israel and Gaza at one stage. Lot of lot of stuff. Lot of stuff. Maybe <laughs> we'll, maybe stuff. We, maybe we'll bring him in next Some week. Some of it not appropriate, possibly. I did say to him at one point, "This is not stuff that we could broadcast <laughs> pre nine o'clock." Probably a lot of it you couldn't broadcast post 9 o'clock. So how far into the radio station did you drop in? Well, you know, I'm a sports reporter. I, I like to get that radio. in pretty early. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he did tell me, this was the point I was actually getting to at okay. the outset a half an hour ago, that he, um, he he was telling me, and I meant to look this up in the meantime, but obviously my level of prep until 3 o'clock last night hasn't allowed that, that he that uh, James Donoghue was, has been hampered by a groin injury over the last couple of years, and that's really why we haven't seen very much of him. He was at, he's a guy... When you talk about the experience of this Kerry team, who the first game in a Kerry jersey at senior level that he won at Croke Park was against Galway. Yeah. So it's a, he's a guy who he was injured for the Donegal game two years ago, and I presume this all relates to that growing thing. He was there for the league game against Dublin earlier in the year. They lost that as well. So there's what about last year? Was he injured? Well, he got an All Star last year. Did he not play in the All Ireland quarter final? Who they beat in the All-Ireland quarterfinal? Calvin? Yeah, no, he missed the Calvin game also, I'm pretty sure, with injury. This guy wasn't very good at all, was he? Uh, <laughs> or is this just he, you? He was great. No, that probably <laughs> the, the parts that are not good probably relate to me. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, he missed. He, he did miss the Calvin game as well. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. But scored 10 points against Cork. Um who who the court game is probably a better gauge than the Galway match in terms of where Kerry are at in the grand scheme of things. The the Galway defence had a pretty 
bit of a nightmare at times. Uh, well, Cork were woeful that day, but scored a goal in five against him. Yeah, quite, quite possibly. Uh, I don't know who scored a goal in five that day. A scoring average in total of nine points a game uh, this year, and a guy who, as we said, a guy who who is is he the most positive GA story so far this summer? I would suggest he probably is. He's just an interest. He's a, he's a fantastic player to watch and an interesting guy to listen to. Yeah, and he has an interesting Twitter account as well. He was a Cheryl Cole. Yeah, he was grabbing her boob. Mm. Now, not actual Cheryl Cole. Wax. Wax. I presume it was a wax Mm. Cheryl Cole. But uh, yeah, he has some funny comments on Twitter as well. Seems keen to express himself in all forms, both on and off the pitch. And yeah, he's he has all the makings of a genius. And they just come along out of nowhere, seemingly in Kerry. Like they have such a woeful, terrible minor record, yeah. And well, then, then these guys turn up at senior level, and they're the best player in the country in the space of about six months. The minor record may may change, of course, uh, this weekend. That's the uh, carry against Mayo in the minor matches. Mayo are the defending All Ireland champions. I tell you what, I think it helps when you have Tomas O'Shea playing your team, and your manager is a three-time All Ireland senior winning manager. I think that's that's that. I think well. it helps when you won the All Ireland last year. Uh, Tomas O'Shea yeah fair enough Tomas O'Shea is the wing forward for Kerry big unit and the guy that everybody's speaking about in the at that age grade uh, but but yeah and that's like that's another reason to think that Evan Fitzmaurice has done tremendously well now you don't need me to do because all you got to do is read Darrow O'Shea in the Irish Times was it today or yesterday uh, you know giving it the big one well uh, nothing has given me more confidence about a Mayo victory <laughs> than reading Darrow O'Shea's column in the Irish Times yesterday it should have because you a... know the Kerry men are worried when they're having to tip their own team they're trying to inspire a little bit of confidence among their own players they know they're in trouble and when Darrow O'Shea I did like that Oh, you know, Kerry Man's serious when he throws the money down. Yeah. He didn't say he'd actually been in a bookies and put the money down. No. He said, I think the bet of the weekend is Kerry to win everything. Yeah. Now, like, I never read anything from anybody who's ever had got any sort of strong relationship with Kerry and take it on face value. There's always an agenda. Darish an integral part of our commentary team <laughs> here on Off the Ball. I said read. It's, it's, yeah, you, you believe what comes out of his mouth, yeah? Uh, I, I, Sometimes, I, yeah, no, no. Look, look. Ultimately, this piece in the Irish Times, um, he makes a pretty good case uh, for Fitzmaurice, and actually, in many ways, it's kind of difficult to argue with it. Uh, the loss of all the big players over the last few years, the loss of the Gooch this year, that lack of underage success that's coming through, and also says at one point, whatever happens, Eamon Fitzmaurice has saved Kerry in a way, and like honestly, like Kerry are way ahead of where people expected them to be early in the season. I, I, that aspect, I ca- absolutely can't disagree with. Yeah, nobody gave them a hope in hell, I think, of reaching an All-Ireland final even, or even being going into a semi-final with Mayo and having a chance, yeah. uh, never mind a lot of people uh, tipping them. Um, yeah, you, look, I'm obviously going to go for Mayo in this one. Yeah. I think Mayo, for a side who struggle with, whose forwards seem to struggle a lot, they still seem to rack up big scores um, in matches. And I think because they will win midfield, then it is a weak point for Kerry that Mayo's halfbacks will be the main influencers on the game and that'll swing it in Mayo's yeah. favour. Two all-stars, obviously. That's a pretty good place to uh, start in your half-back line. Well, depending on how he mixes things up, obviously, uh, James Horn. Yeah, look, I think... And, and the spread of scores as well is another thing, obviously, for Mayo. They're not overly... I mean, Kelly O'Connor, right, fair enough. But, you know, they're not overly dependent on one player. They do tend to come from a lot of different places. And to be honest with you, I would go with your uh, prediction this week. 
Um, uh, I will say as well, by the way, in terms of reading people from Kerry and either you know taking a face value or not, John Evans in the Irish Independent today, and he says, Mayo, "Friend of the show, well, <laughs> former friend of the show, former friend of former the friend, show, former uh, friend of Nathan Murphy." But Sorry about that. No longer, and the end of saying that Mayo could edge it, but again, like I read the piece and I think is this really how John Evans thinks, or is he is he just trying to get a message out there? I don't know. Look, anyway, for my money, I am leaning in the side of Mayo. I think that. Uh, in the context we're only talking about the context of this game I think that Kerry are now are beyond where people thought they were going to be I think there's just a you know a, a sprinkling of inexperience there that Mayo don't have and I think that Mayo to win not by a huge amount but Mayo to win uh, It's going to be interesting listening to Off the Ball tonight they're in Westport they've got a load of ex-Mayo and ex-Kerry players uh, coming together to chat about the Good old days for Kerry, the bad old days for Mayo, and uh, look ahead to Sunday. And it is always great when you get Mayo and Kerry people and ex-players together ahead of a match because you have the strange situation of all the Mayo guys, despite having never won anything, going, yeah, I'm fairly certain we're going to win this and we're going to win it quite convincingly. Yeah. And then you have all the Kerry guys who've won all this stuff going, no, 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 Jez, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. No, Jez, sure, we're just happy to be at this stage. We didn't expect that at the start of the year. No, sure, yeah, we're sure. It's good yeah. to be involved now. It's good to you be in can, Pro Park. You can be in that place when you've got a bunch, a whole bunch of... Uh, Celtic crosses in but your we never learn our lesson in Mayo is the problem yeah and me being part of <laughs> me being chief, chief me being them. chief cheerleader yeah. <laughs> yeah. every yeah. single yeah. year but you no, got no. it like what's the, what's the alternative like you, be, it, be Adrian yes, Barry exactly <laughs> absolutely and it's not a pretty place to be uh, primarily the fact that you, you come from as me then it's S-H-I-T, which I, I tried not to say in the uh, podcast this week. Uh, all right, uh, Billy Joe Padden is going to be at Croke Park for us on Sunday. And by the way, uh, in case you're listening to the podcast, obviously on Friday, Saturday or on Sunday morning, the all the best bits from Thursday night will be newstalk.ie or in that direction somewhere. Yeah, and as we've already said, we put all the really good stuff online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The on-air stuff is... <laughs> Uh, a bit, bit hit and miss. A bit hit and miss, but the obviously we do. There's a big editing procedure that goes into the podcast, so only the best parts of the podcast go out. Like Tune in this next when week. I can't stop. Where we're going to bring uh, James from the car park in Milton in. <laughs> in, in place of Dave Mack. Yeah. I think maybe for a side who struggle with whose forwards seem to struggle a lot, they still seem to rack up big scores um, in matches, and I think because they will win midfield, then it is a weak point for Kerry that Mayo's halfbacks will be the main influencers on the game and that'll swing it in Mayo's yeah. favour. Two all-stars, obviously, that's a pretty good place to uh, start in your halfback line. Well, depending on how he mixes things up, obviously, uh, James Horn. Yeah, look, I think... And, and the spread of scores as well is another thing, obviously, for Mayo. They're not overly... I mean, Kelly O'Connor, right, fair enough. But, you know, they're not overly dependent on one player. They do tend to come from a lot of different places. And to be honest with you, I would go with your uh, prediction this week. Uh, um... Uh, I will say as well, by the way, in terms of reading people from Kerry and either you know taking a face value or not, John Evans in the Irish Independent today, and he says, Mayo, "Friend of the show, well, <laughs> former friend of the show, former friend of former the friend, show, former uh, friend of Nathan Murphy." But Sorry about that. No longer, and the end of saying that Mayo could edge it. But again, like I read the piece, and I think is this really how John Evans thinks, or is he is he just trying to get a message out there? I don't know. Look, anyway, for my money. I am leaning in the side of Mayo. I think that uh, in the context, we're only talking about the context of this game. I think that Kerry are now are beyond where people thought they were going to be. I think there's just a you know a, a sprinkling of inexperience there that Mayo don't have, and I think that Mayo 